This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. It is Danny and Gallant. It's time for Blue 42. And usually we, we, we bring in the tall left-hander, Brock Heuer, but he's in transit coming back from Canton where he was a guest of one Peyton Manning. For yesterday's Hall of Fame induction, that has to be pretty cool to watch one of your teammates get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Actually, two of his teammates, because he was a teammate with Steve Hutchinson as well. There were a lot of dudes, obviously, because of last year, there being no ceremony that got inducted. It's surreal to see Peyton Manning officially in the Hall of Fame, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of just a, wow, his career has been done for five years. It's already been five years since he's been out of the game. I'll tell you what, th- there were four or five of those type of guys where I felt that way. Troy Palamalu, when you saw P- Polamalu get inducted, that was weird for me. Charles Woodson, who looks like he could still play. There were four or five of those guys where I was like, wow, wow, they've been out of the game for five years. Polamalu, because he's been in the head and shoulders ads, less so for me. And same with Woodson, because he's been on TV in the analyst role. With his ascot. He's wearing an ascot on TV. Uh, I, I've gotten into that Peyton's Place show. I actually think it's pretty good, which is hard for me to admit, because I am a noted Tom Brady stooge, and I feel like whenever Bra- uh, Manning's brought up, I feel the need to bring Brady up. But to me, it's just weird. I can't believe it's been five years since he's been playing in the game. Like It's gone by like that so quickly, and... The game just moves on without him, even though he is one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen. That's kind of like Blue 42, which is going to move on without Brock, even though he's one of the best Mm, analysts we've ever seen. Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two, ready, right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Morning, Danny. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing very well. I got a question for you, Danny. Fire. We heard Russell Wilson say a lot of things after yesterday's mock game. And we've heard him over the course of this offseason and last year, too, talk about how he's always had the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage. But this quote from Russ seems noteworthy. I think that we, we've I've always been able to change the play for the most part, you know, along my my career. I think you know Shadi allowed me to call the plays and stuff like that, a lot of scrimmage when we needed to. I think the emphasis of being able to do it all the time, you know, all throughout the game, you know, is the key. I think that's a little bit different, you know, in that sense. But you know, I, I think that I have freedom, obviously, you know, for sure. Uh, I think the fun part is we have just so, so much that we can do and so many reasonings and so so many whys to it. Uh, I think this is what's really been really exceptional. So I know it's been hinted at that maybe Russ did not have the full ability to audible out of plays down the stretch. I hear this, Danny, and I'm wondering if maybe, just maybe, Russ now has unlimited power at the line of scrimmage. Comparatively. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, quarterbacks, every quarterback has the ability to option out of a bad play. I think the question is always... How how much freedom do they have? Can they check to anything? Or do they go to the line with a main play and a backup play? Do they go with, hey, if, if, if it looks like you're going into this look, change it to this play. As opposed to get up there and 
if you want to change it to something entirely different that you can't, it does sound like there's more there's more freedom here. Look, I've always thought that Seattle's best offense, the way that they is when you turn it over to Russ. And I know you can't do that for an entire game. I know that you've got to pick your spots and that there's there there's a certain amount of risk that comes with doing that and you don't want to play that way for 60 minutes. But man, the more power that Russ has to control the tempo and the play selection, I think the better. One of the interesting things from the mock game yesterday, Danny, was seeing when the Seahawks decided to use tempo. It seems like if they are moving the football, this is, I think, the best way of me saying it without actually saying anything because we have rules that we have to jump through. But when they move the football, right after they move it a certain distance is when they tend to pick it up and try to get to the line of scrimmage really quickly. Not going to lie, I like it. I like the way that they were showing it yesterday. I don't know if that's going to be in every single kind of that occurrence type of deal, but we did see a little extra tempo yesterday in a game action, and that was noteworthy. That was, I think, my biggest takeaway from yesterday's mock game. Question two. Paul, what do you think happens if the Seahawks don't offer Dwayne Brown a contract extension? I think Dwayne's going to sit out games. He's done it before. Why wouldn't he this time, you know? And that's where it gets dicey because you got to consider a bunch of different variables here. First off, how's Russell Wilson going to feel about this? And you He's yeah, going to be mad. You He's going to be mad. It's clear. He already made it yesterday. It was clear with what he said yesterday about we need to get that figured out. Russ is going to be mad. Understandably so. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I mean, this is your best offensive lineman. So I could definitely see this playing all the way out to week eight, whenever it is that Dwayne Brown would have missed just enough games where he will not, if he plays in the next one, be taken away a year of accruement towards free agency. That right. Makes sense. What, what Paul's saying is that there's and it, there's a debate about whether this is eight regular season games or six regular season games. You have to play more than half the season. Right. Otherwise, your contract will toll. Like that's that's the word that's used in the NFL. T O L L. It'll toll, which means it just rolls over to the next year. Yes. That your your two thousand Dwayne Brown's two thousand twenty one contract would become his two thousand twenty two contract. That would mean that he didn't. He's he's not any closer to getting a resolution. He's in the exact same spot. So he will want to play more than half the year. Thank you for explaining that for me. But. Is that fear of Russell being mad a reason to give a player a contract that you feel it isn't in your best interest to do? His feelings, they are not a reason. But if Russ is getting sacked a billion times and it's clear that whoever's at left tackle, let's be honest, Danny, I mean, we didn't like Cedric Obwee. He had tackle last year. He's nope. a swing tackle. And if it's Stone Forsyth in there, you know, Pete Carroll said a lot of nice things about him after yesterday's mock game. He was the starting left tackle in yesterday's mock game. But... You don't want him out there. No, 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 no. You want to have somebody that actually can keep Russell Wilson upright so that he can keep this durability streak that he's had going for such a long period of time going. They are a house of cards on offense. I mean, they have some really talented players, but man, a 17-game slate, and all of a sudden you might be missing Dwayne Brown for eight. This is why, Danny, I, I, I think we differ on this, but I would be willing to pay Dwayne Brown now because I, I think he has you... He has you over a barrel right now. I feel like you do not have the ability to get that next tackle 
in free agency definitively. And since you don't have a first round pick, you can't get a, you can't really draft the potential tackle of the future either next year. That's that's why I would pay, even though I know, like you said, it's not smart. It's not smart. It would be it would be highly impractical, highly impractical to do that before he gets through this season. But. I don't know if you have a choice right now. I'm standing strong. I'm digging my heels in. I'm I'm saying no. If you go to it, I'm going to say, hey, Dwayne, I totally get it. I totally understand where you're coming from. But at this point, we've been down this road so many different times, and we we, we want to keep you here, but we want to revisit this after the season. Or once the season. We, we don't want to make that decision. We're not going to cross that bridge right now, and we hope you understand and we understand you've got to make some decisions about what's best for you. And we're we're not going to make if that if that decision was up to me, that's the approach that I would take. Question number three, guys, I'm calling an audible here. What? We have, we have a backup quarterback to Brock Heward today that is willing to jump in. One Jake Heaps is on the line, and he said that he would like to answer a question for you guys. Hi, Jake. Hi. Hi, Jake. Hey, gentlemen. I'm driving down the road, and I'm going, hey, what's going on here? So I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd hop on with you guys and see if I could answer a question for you. You know what? Yeah, yeah. let's have him do the Dwayne Brown question. Dwayne Brown, well, I, I think we know what Jake Heaps is going to say about Dwayne Brown, Mr. <laughs> I want to pay all of the offensive linemen all the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I wasn't wrong about that because if I memory serves me correctly, I think Danny kind of came back and said, you know what, actually – I might have paid Jack Conklin, so I might not be out of my skull here. But with Dwayne Brown in this situation, guys, I think that when you look at it, it really puts them in an interesting position because I don't know the financials, right? I don't know what Dwayne Brown is coming to the team and asking for. I don't know what kind of extension he's asking for. Is it a one-year extension? Is it a two-year extension? And at age 35, obviously that gives you reservations as to where is he, where he is at. I personally believe that Dwayne Brown is one of those players and one of those unique guys that the way that he takes care of himself in the offseason, the way that he trains, uh, the athleticism, he's one of those unique players that I, I can definitely see play into their late 30s at the left tackle position. And really last year was the year that gave me that confidence that he could do so coming off of a year where in 2019, if you remember, it was a struggle for him. He was back battling injuries and him being the war daddy that he is, he played through it. But uh, in 2020, he came back. He was healthy. He looked more like the Dwayne Brown that we know and love. And, and I think that that's something that gave me a lot of confidence. And the fact that he wants the contract extension gave me even more confidence because this is a guy that wants to continue to keep playing football. And I didn't know that heading into this year if this was going to be his last ride. And so now you're in a unique spot, guys, with, as the organization. Do you play this game of chicken with Dwayne Brown? And I can confidently tell you that Dwayne Brown isn't playing games. And what I mean by that is I would not be surprised in the least if Dwayne Brown sits out regular season games because he doesn't have a contract extension. And if that is the case, guys, if you feel like you are a perennial Super, team, a Super Bowl team, you have a legitimate shot this year, which I know that they do. Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, John Schneider, the whole crew, they feel like they have a great run and a great chance of this thing, then that is an incredible risk to be taking as an organization to not have this guy playing games for you at left tackle when you do not have a clear exit strategy, uh, and it could potentially cost you games. I mean, it's a tough 
tough position to be in, guys. And obviously, I would lean more on the side of extending Dwayne Brown because it's not just affecting your future, which I don't think they have a clear exit strategy for, but it's going to affect you here in 2021, and every game is going to be crucial. If you're worried about how Seattle has prepared for a future without Dwayne Brown or feel that they don't have an exit strategy, that makes it even riskier to make that decision right now, though, to extend him because this team has seen what it's like when Marshawn Lynch, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, and Cam Chancellor have all signed extensions where they never played a down of, of the new years. I mean, they, they didn't make it. They weren't on the team when those extension years were going to kick in. And so if the team kind of says, hey, we're, we're better off, we can't make that kind of leverage. And I don't know what Dwayne's asking for here. And I don't know what the, what the team is, is, is doing or how receptive they are to it. But I would just say, looking at it from the outside, I totally get why the team, if the team's stance is, hey, we'd prefer to answer this after the season and not right now, that seems to me the prudent thing to do. Now, I I definitely understand that, Danny, and I don't think that they're illogical for doing so. But if it costs you the opportunity to get deep into the playoffs this year, is is that worth the risk? Hmm. I mean, the hope would be that he would be back by the second half of the year, Jake. And I guess is, can you take care of business while he is away? What do you think? If he is not on that field, how are they going to do for the most part, given how important he is to the offensive line? I think we'd all agree, even if he's 36 years old, he's their best offensive lineman. He's their best offensive lineman. Uh, On the Jake and Stacey show, we made him the number four most important Seahawk on this roster. He's just one of those players that is – if you look at their roster, who are the players that are the most irreplaceable? Dwayne Brown is towards the top of the list without question. And and I think that when you're in this position, guys, just look at the first seven weeks of the season. You look at that schedule. You look at who they play against defensively. And you tell me how comfortable you feel not having Dwayne Brown as your left tackle during that stretch. I think it's a lot easier said than done to be able to look at and say, well, hey, we've got this uh, intriguing left tackle prospect in Stone Forsyth. Uh, maybe he can get us by. I, don't, I, I would feel very uncomfortable if I was a player in that situation knowing that you've got somebody like Dwayne Brown. And, again, this is, this is business versus players. This is, you know, it's all those things. And so it's a lot easier than done. But if there is any way that they can get this extension done, I think it's in their best interest to do so. And I understand – past and sometimes there's scar tissue there uh you know and all that but i think that when you look at it from from this point of view with dwayne brown i think he's one of those unique players in his career who has been available and and has been one of those guys that has played through injuries has done all that uh has been a tremendous leader for your organization and so if there is a guy I know it's shaky ground on age 35, but if there's a guy that you're going to give a a year extension to, a possible two-year extension to, I think Dwayne Brown is one of those guys that would be worth definitely looking into and feel comfortable about because of his past history. Jake, that that that, that, might have been a Wally Pitt moment for you. Like Brock Heard steps out, Jake Heaps calls in, from the road. I mean, that you called in is, is yeah. legendary. Seriously. Jake, we're, we're really grateful. It's good to talk to you, too, man. Hey, it's good catching up with you guys. I hope all is well. And, uh, hey, I'm, I'm here if you need me. <laughs> all right. That is Jake Heaps filling in here on Blue 42. There's a lot to talk to uh, about that. And I get 
that perspective of this is an all-in sort of year and you don't want to mess up your chances at what could be a Super Bowl season, and especially given... I, I still think there's some underlying uncertainty about Russell Wilson's long-term future in Seattle. Extending Dwayne Brown is also a step towards setting money on fire. Like that, that, uh, that, that is one hey, of the conceivable outcomes of that is that you're just going to set a bunch of and, money on fire. And I want to be clear. I don't disagree. I, I, I think it is very dangerous to do it, but I don't know what else you do here, Danny. You need him out on the field. You can't have him hurt. Like Russell Wilson's had an it's unbelievable contract. Streak. He'll eventually get there, right? Yeah, I, I guess. But I mean, is Russ going to get there? You know, that, that's, that's my big question. Can you make it to week eight with Russell Wilson being healthy? He has been the unbelievable, durable person that he has been to this point in his career. All of a sudden, you get rid of his left tackle, and you're putting Cedric Obwehi out there, or you're putting Stone Forsyth out there, or somebody else that maybe is on the free agent market. Is it going to work? I would say right now, if I'm John Schneider, I know you got things to work with Jamal Adams, and I know you got things to work with Dwayne Brown. I think you got to start making phone calls about offensive linemen right now because I mean, you got two guys out in Obwehi and Jones. You got Ethan Postick injured too. Right now, what, what what are your alternatives? You're you're in a really bad spot just in totality on the offensive line right now. Our training camp coverage presented by Precore Home Fitness. Paul is Chicken Little apparently right now. The sky is falling. He wants some offensive linemen to be go go rattle the offensive lineman tree and see if some guys fall off uh, of there. I felt that over the weekend, the four games against the New York Yankees were a reminder of the years that I've lost in my life to sitting there and sweating out small leads against the New York Yankees. It is a brutal, and it's just an awful, and I realized that on Friday. The Mariners lost on Friday 3-2. to two. They blew two leads in that game. They were an out away from winning it in the 10th. They were a strike away from extending it to the 12th, and they, and they lost. If you were going to come up with maybe the most inordinately gut-wrenching way to lose a game in, in New York, that probably was it. To feel like you wasted an incredible start from Marco Gonzalez, which you did. To feel like you wasted a ton of opportunities, which you did. To feel you struggled at the plate, which you did, because I don't think you had an extra base hit in the game. Maybe you had one. And and then to come away from it having lost a second straight in what turned out to be three straight losses that you suffered to the Yankees before salvaging the final game of the series. And to make it worse, if you were in attendance at the game wearing an Edgar Martinez jersey. Maybe- I was okay. I was okay with that. Yankee fans aren't bad, man. Like they weren't bad. Especially, That's good. no with the, with 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 Seattle. I mean, I'm sure it's different with some of the teams that they they have, but there's a general sort of uh, appreciation that people have for well, that's out good of town that they fans. Were cool. That but that still. part is a little overstated. What stinks is watching that stadium stir to life. Yes. in like the fifth and sixth inning when you start out of kind of nowhere before anything's really happening, you're hearing that crowd signal their team that it's time to get the bats going like there and I don't want to say they're a bad crowd because it's not and it was the fullest stadium that I've been in since the since since we started getting crowds back probably felt a little similar as it did at Lumen Field this weekend for the Seahawks mock game and and when you watch when you watch the team respond to that and then the the satisfaction that Yankee fans feel it's not it's not joy in that oh my gosh I can't believe we did it it's like this exaltation and like, yeah, that's right. That's what we do. We erase yep. late leads. And there is, it's infuriating. It's absolutely it's, infuriating. I think it's a shared experience across all American League fandom. Because I know growing up that I, in, in Boston that I had some of those same, oh, God, 
you know, you have a lead against them and you, you just expect the worst to happen. This is a different team than the ones that had all of those players like Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams scared the heck out of me. I mean, he wasn't their best player by any means, but he was definitely the most frightening, I think, of all the Yankees. You knew he was going to get a big-time hit when it mattered the most. Jorge Posada, um, you know, as years went on, they got Hideki Matsui in there, Alfonso Soriano. Now it's a little different, but it's still the same. I mean, they have those bats, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and now you add in some of these other guys who, you know, DJ Ladella Mayhew and, and, and freaking Rugnet Odor. You got that big home run, that clutch home run. Yeah, man, it's there's this feeling of what's going to happen. And I, I will give the Mariners credit. I mean, it, they did not they did not fall apart completely when the crowd rose to the occasion, but at the same time, the bats did. You know, they didn't melt down on the on the on the mound outside of Diego Castillo. It was the bats just not showing up again, and it's been an all year problem for them, and it's why they're, you know, last in the league in batting average. 29th and on base percentage, 28th and on in OPS, and 4th in strikeouts as a team. Would you rather have a team that you're looking for pitching or a team that you're looking for hitting? Because I always go with the side of, like, I'd bet I'd, I'd rather be the team that's waiting for bats. I, I think offense can come around. I I, th- I think that I think that you can find, especially when you're a young team, I think those guys are going to start right. hitting. I'd rather be I the feel latter, like- I, and I think you have decent pitching. I mean, all of your starters pitched well this weekend, and that is a good lineup that you went up against. I mean, even even Tyler Anderson. You know, there's two earned runs in five innings. That's 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 what you're looking for out of your fifth starter. And I will give a shout out. It feels like it's a a sort of search for a silver lining to say that Paul Sewell did a great job yesterday. Paul Sewell did a great job yesterday. He did. He did. He really came in. Job. There's two runners on. There's one out, and you're staring eye to eye with the idea of are you going to blow a fourth straight game in this stadium against yeah. this team? And and he struck out two dudes. What on eight pitches? It was it was an impressive and even Scott's service after the game pointed to that. Look, I want to I want to acknowledge it didn't salvage the series by any stretch, but it kept a disaster from being absolutely unmanageable. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, if 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 you can somehow pull some of whatever confidence that you might have had in just hanging around against the Yankees, I guess going forward, then maybe you got a shot to make up some of the ground that you have lost, and you certainly lost a lot this weekend. Listen to our show tomorrow for your chance to win tickets to the next Mariners Fireworks Night at T-Mobile Park. That's this Friday, August 13th. The Mariners host the Blue Jays, and then they'll light up the night sky to your favorite tracks from the 1990s. Find tickets at Mariners.com. Like we said, we're going to be giving away tickets tomorrow. Uh, It is Danny and Gallant. We're going to get back to parsing Pete, and this time it's about the money and how much that matters. That's ahead. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Our coverage from training camp brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. The Seahawks had a mock game yesterday. What stood out? Pace of the offense. Fat guy touchdown from Puna Ford. Yeah. And a whole lot of sacks. It's always tough to tell exactly what's going on because they're not playing to, they're, they're not they're not tackling right they're playing to they're playing to thud right so first impact and then the the goal is to not knock the your opponent your teammate off his feet there was a really funny play Danny where they blitzed Aaron Doncor up the middle and he had a free shot on Russ and then he stops and he just turns around and ran in the other direction Russ rolls out to the right and I think somebody else technically would have sacked him too as he rolled out to the right it was one of those where it was difficult to really tell what was what. There's another play. Colby Parkinson caught a post over the middle. Two guys, like, tapped him. 
and they didn't really put good shoulders on him. And I was sort of like, okay, well, put a little more of a shoulder in him. And Parkinson just ran straight up the middle of the field for a touchdown. And the refs were like, what? What do we do here? <laughs> and I don't blame him. So it was a little confusing. But it was great to see the fans back out there, Danny. Seriously, it was, it was cool. I, I, I got such a kick out of everyone booing at the end of the game when the Seahawks were practicing their kneel downs. And then they would cheer five seconds later because Pete was trying to rile the crowd up. So they're going from boos to cheers, boos to cheers. Make up your mind. And uh, you know what? Have your full range of emotion. You haven't been able to boo in years. Why not? Well, now it's time for us to read between the lines on the biggest news of the day, which involves two different contracts, one that is not signed, the other one, question whether it's going to be redone. It's time to parse Pete. Do you struggle trying to understand what Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll has to say? The answer to that question is yes. Well, you're in luck. Introducing Pete Parsing, a revolutionary new software. That's like a no answer right there. By listening just 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to understand what's going through the mind of a national championship and Super Bowl winning head coach. And heck, you might even start talking like him. Always competing. Always competing. Danny and Gallant proudly present Parsing Pete. That's right. Revolutionary translation technology. Let's start off. Pete Carroll was asked whether Dwayne Brown is unhappy about not having an extension done. Dwayne and I are doing great in, in, in our conversations about stuff. He's been he's been great, and uh, he, he's he's got he's making a statement. You know, he's he's making a statement, and uh, about what he feels he's, he needs to have happen. So he knows what Dwayne wants. Mm-hmm doesn't sound like he is necessarily wanting Dwayne to get what he wants. He is supportive of Dwayne without actually wanting to support Dwayne in his quest to get more moolah. He gets where Dwayne's coming from. He understands what he wants. They're not sure if they're going to be able to give him something that makes him happy. I I think if you read between the lines there, it's not, hey... We don't know what he's doing. Dwayne and I are great. We've communicated. He's making a statement about what he wants. And what's left unsaid by Pete is how the team is is going to respond to that. And that's probably deliberately vague, but you know that it's different from how he's answered questions about Jamal Adams' contract extension, in which case the Seahawks very much want to extend Jamal Adams' contract as well. There's no doubt about that. With, with, with Dwayne Brown, I think there's some uncertainty. Is it the asking price of what, of what Dwayne Brown's talking about, and they just would like a, a shorter term, or is that that's something that they, they really want to wait, and they're, they're not willing to extend it right now? We're not sure about that part. Next question was about whether or not Dwayne Brown will miss games. I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> he, he's not going to play in preseason. He wasn't going to, so um, that's not going to make a difference right now. Hmm. I think it's possible, man. We've seen it before. He did this in Houston, and things were a little more acrimonious between he and the Texans organization over a variety of different things, but he did this before. Why wouldn't he do it again? Why wouldn't he be willing to stand off to the side to get his way? Because it worked out for him last time, too, you know? He's almost had the positive reinforcement towards it. So I don't think Pete necessarily knows. Just based off of the last time we saw Dwayne Brown, though, hold out and obviously come to the Seahawks, that's my read on the whole situation. Yeah, Pete saying he doesn't know 
is saying that's up to Dwayne. And this would be another piece of sort of information about Seattle's negotiating point, which is they've they've provided their answer or their solution to the problem, and now it's up to Dwayne to decide if he's willing to accept it or not. And when he says, I don't know that, what I take that to mean is that's that's really going to be up to Dwayne. That's really going to be up to Dwayne about how much he wants to dig in his heels over over what he wants. I do want to say that I think Pete handles these situations about as well as any coach could because he doesn't he doesn't try to vilify the player. Even with Cam Chancellor throughout that whole thing, when Cam Chancellor, and it was a different situation with Cam. Cam had two years left on his deal. Cam was younger. They were coming off of a second Super Bowl appearance. Like it was it was a much more emotionally charged situation. Pete never never vilified or characterized Cam as either being greedy or unrealistic or any of those things. He always expresses sort of a level of, hey, we understand what he wants and we want him to be happy. What he doesn't say is that there are times where the team decides, yeah, we can't make this guy happy. He's gonna he's gonna have to decide whether he's okay with coming in. And I and I I, I think that that's what Pete's saying here is that it, it's not up to me about whether or not Dwayne misses games. It's really up to Dwayne about whether or not he's he's so firm in making the statement or so unhappy with the current contract that he's not going to play. Yeah, and I so from from that perspective, if you're I guess Russell Wilson, how would you read this? And you heard him put a little pressure on the Seahawks. Do we want? He's saying he wants the Seahawks to do something. Yeah, right. Yeah, like that's very clearly. We'll get to Russ's statement here in just a second. The other, the other part of Pete is Jamal Adams and their contract, which I think is in a very different place than the negotiations with with, with Dwayne Brown. The Seahawks and Jamal Adams are both trying to get a deal done. They both hope one's going to get a deal done. And Pete was asked whether the team's past negotiations with defensive stars sort of help them when it comes to navigating the, the negotiations with Jamal Adams. We have been through a lot. We've had a lot of really high-quality individuals in the program, guys that we love, we've worked with for a long time, and we've watched them go through the process of it, and, and we do have a lot of information about that, and we have a lot of experience there. So, you know, we try to utilize it and help our guys as, as they go through it. Um, but it, for the players going through it, it's usually their first time, and they have to go through and, and, and try to, you know, get a sense for what's how it's going and how they're feeling about it and, and figure it out. We, we have a little bit more background in that than the players do, so we just have to go through it. And, and uh, we've worked very hard to, to, to make this work out. We'll see, it, see what happens. Once again, playing it very, very favorable for Jamal Adams there. Understanding it's his first contract extension. Right. So this might be the biggest deal he does in his entire life. I can get, I can get why a guy wants to be slow and deliberate about it. Isn't it so important that they have had this background before, that they have had these conversations, that they have had these awkward impasses between players who want the new deals? That definitely, I think, provides a much better perspective for them, big picture, about what to do and what not to do. Because obviously some of the contracts that they've given to guys, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Danny, have not worked out. Wouldn't it also make you, if you're the team, a little more, I don't know, confident in your bargaining position and less willing to budge here? Yes. That can be dangerous. Or that can at least lead to an impasse. If your reaction here is, because look, when I look at the Jamal Adams thing, I see it and it's like, they've made him an offer that corresponds to the sort of deals. This is the team that signed extensions with Earl Thomas, with Cam Chancellor, two of them, 
with Richard Sherman, with Bobby Wagner, two of them. Like, they've negotiated extensions with a lot of different really high-level Hall of Fame-type talents. So if if they're at a spot where they think that this should be done and he's going to be the highest-paid safety in the league, I, I kind of get where they would say, like, okay— Come on, we think we we think we've we think we've got it to the goal line here, and now it's up for you to 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 accept it because we got this isn't our first rodeo here. It is Danny Gallant. Our training camp coverage brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. Paul mentioned Russell Wilson's response to Dwayne to Dwayne Brown's negotiations. What's the quarterback trying to say? We'll look inside that next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Russell Wilson yesterday, after the Seahawks mock game, which they won, of course, 22-3. to be very concerning if they lost to themselves. He had interesting things to say about Dwayne Brown's contract as well. I mean, not having Dwayne Brown out there is, a, you know, pretty pretty significant deal uh, because I think he's one of the best left tackles in the game. You know, I just, there's no arguing. I think he's, uh, you know, as good as it gets. There's nobody more athletic, uh, more talented than he is. Um, you know, age is just a number. <laughs> you know, uh, he's, 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 he looks like he's 28, 30 out there. You know, he's really exceptional. So smart and um, physical. Uh, understands the game, and I think people fear him. You know, just to be honest with you. You know, when they're when they're rushing him and playing against him, so uh, we definitely want to be able to get him back out there. You know, and, and uh, we got to figure that out because uh, you know he's he, we, we need Dwayne Brown. I agree with that. I totally get where he's coming from. I'm not sure how much Russ's opinion on that is going to impact my stance as a front office. I'm I'm not I'm not sure how much I'm taking that into a, okay I better make Russ happy. Russ thinks we should do this so so we we absolutely need to do this. But if you don't do this does this make it possible that things get acrimonious once again next off season or perhaps in the midst of this season? Absolutely it does. But that possibility exists whether or not you signed Dwayne Brown. You, if, if you don't win if you don't win or if Dwayne Brown gets hurt or all of the other different things that happen, is Russ going to be understanding and say, hey, I would be really mad, but I recognize that you did what I wanted when it came to extending Dwayne Brown. No, he's going to get mad about something else. Like This is when you try to please a player with your moves, I think you're, I think you're on a fool's errand. I don't, I don't think there's anything to be done in that regard. That's fair. I think Russ would be asked about this every single week, though. If yes, this is he will. And I think that his answers would grow more and more irritated as time yes, went on. Again, I agree. That doesn't mean a whole lot. I'm with you in that. You can't operate based off of the whims of your quarterback, but I do think that Dwayne Brown has the Seahawks in a really awkward situation here where how do you get your next left tackle? Unfortunately, because they don't have a first-round pick next year, it's really hard to see them getting it because that's where you find first. That's where you find a tackle in the first round. It's very hard to find a, a good tackle anywhere. And, and even then, I mean, you're, you're talking about maybe like the fourth or fifth best tackle. Sometimes that fourth or fifth best tackle is Dwayne Brown. I mean, he fell in the draft when he came out of Virginia Tech and the Houston Texans drafted him, but it's never a guarantee. But paying Dwayne Brown doesn't mean that you're not going to be facing that exact question a year from now. That's true. And in, fa- Just and in the fact, the road. if it doesn't if it doesn't work out, if Dwayne Brown were to be injured, or Dwayne, or Dwayne Brown were to become less effective, then you're not only still in the same spot, but you're in the same spot having committed a ton of money to a player that was 
at this point, you're betting that he is going to be the exception to the NFL aging curve, right? Like you're betting money saying that this guy, if you sign him to an extension, and you can argue about whether or not it's a good bet or not, but it's absolutely a bet saying this guy is going to be the exception. This guy is going to be the exception. That, and the more that you come up with, Russ wants this, Russ thinks this is best, Russ is going to be mad when this happens, those are all things of like, yeah, that's true, but I don't think that's a reason to do it. I, I, I don't... I don't think your quarterbacks, if 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 the Seahawks don't have Dwayne Brown for the first eight games and they go 7-1, you think Russ is going to be mad about that? No, but he would want Dwayne Brown to be there, I would imagine, and especially yep. for the second half of the year. It really depends on how many times he would get sacked, I guess, to that point in the year. I mean, if he's getting sacked 30 times and it looks like he's going to get to 60 sacks on the season or something like that, yeah, I think Russ would be a little annoyed. Say they're four and four, and Dwayne Brown is out there, and you've sunk that money in on the extension. Do you think Russ is going to be happy and say, "Hey, they did exactly"? No, he's going to be mad. Great points. So all of those things, I think, when you try to make people happy, and this, I come off, and I realize that this is a very pro team, anti player sort of perspective to have. But if you're asking about the long term health of the of, of the franchise's payroll, I think that's. If you're the front office, that's what you're looking at in addition to how do I make all of the players I have on the team happy right now. Same thing's happening with Jamal Adams. Like there's a there's a very strong contingent of people online who believe that Seattle should give him whatever he wants. You traded two first round picks for him. You traded a third round pick for him. You already decided how good he is. Why are you sitting there trying to play hardball with him? I was like, well, just give the players whatever they want then. I don't really care. I, I don't. And if, if you say it's a demanding sport and you sacrifice your body and if the player wants, but is that the good way to run a football team? That's a way to have a, a one-year window of like we're putting it all into this year. And if you're the general manager, well, that's probably a way to, to come close to getting fired a year or two from now because you've spent all this money on we're putting everything on this entire year. But do you have the ability – to bridge this, to bridge not having Dwayne Brown. And, and I sort of think about it like this. Say you have a car, the one of the tires, an older tire, is saying it needs more air pressure. And mm-hmm. instead of giving it more air pressure, you're like, you know what? I'm going to put the spare on for a little bit of time, and we're going to continue to go down the road. And, yeah, maybe I'll put some extra PSI into that tire. You're not going to be going as fast as you possibly can. There's also the danger that, you know, the car might experience some serious issues if there's a spare on. And I wonder if over this eight-game stretch, if your best offensive lineman is in there, not just as a pass blocker, but as a run blocker downfield, are you going to be able to win games? He is, is, I think, a big loss for them if they don't have him this year. And I kind of want him when he is still playing well even if that does perhaps involve me making some sort of risk that could cost me down the road. I, I, I think right now, because you don't have that next alternative, if you had somebody else that was young that you felt pretty good about, great, but you don't have that guy. The better analogy, if we're looking for an automotive analogy, mm-hmm. the better analogy is that you've got an older car that's been really good to you, that you've taken pretty good care of. It's had some mechanical problems. It, you're, cons- you're concerned about it, but it's still a really good car for you. And you just went to the mechanic, and the mechanic told you it's going to take a $4,800 to get it top of the line, and it's going to function exactly right. And you look in Kelly Blue Book, and that car is worth $5,000. Oh, boy. 
and you're being asked to pay 4800 and you can rationalize it of, I don't want to get a new car. This one works really well for me. I really like, but you're like $4,800 is an awful lot of money for a car that some people are telling me is worth $5,000 that I'm, I'm not going to be able, I can't expect to get the value of what I'm putting into this car out of it, but I don't want to get a new car and I don't really have a budget to get a new car. That's the decision that you're at right now if, if you're the Seahawks, which is, hey, all things equal, I'd rather wait. The difference is, is it's not a car. It's, it's, it's a player, and it's somebody that has a lot of other people depending on him. It is Danny and Gallant. The Mariners suffered a frustrating weekend in New York. We'll tell you the root of the problem, and it's not what you think. That's ahead.